What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We get about almost 300 trucks. We're talking about, we're, we're talking a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys, payroll. It's just a staff, you know, just building up to, to a team. Like, like my dispatch team consisted of just two, three guys. That's it. You know, I'm up at I'm up at almost 20. My goal is 400, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get to 300 here pretty soon. And uh, my goal by 2023 is to be at 400 truck fleet. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. business. All right, so my glasses are fogging up because it is about 101 degrees here in sunny San Antonio, right. Texas. But but we got more heat than that. We got more heat inside than outside, right? I am here with the man himself, Mr. Raul Mendez from Texas Chrome. Raul, thank you for being on Truck and Hustle, man. Sure. What's going thank on? you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for you guys for coming by. Listen, this is an interview that I've Honestly, between me and you, I, I've, I've been dreaming of this interview for a while. I've been following your social media, checking you guys out. And what you've built here is amazing, right? Um, so to be here is even more amazing. This facility is is crazy. I mean, so much parts to like the, the, the shop, to the gym. We'll talk about the gym later. Uh, but there's just so much going on and we're going we're gonna to get into that. But um, again, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I want to really get into your story and just talk about Texas Chrome, talk about TCT and everything you do, man, because you just do a lot. All right. We have we have, we have a lot to unpack. All yes, right. Sir, so yes, so yeah. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. All right. Cool. So kind of just getting started customarily. We always like to kind of go into the backstory of our guests, just get an understanding of how they kind of got to where they're at. So just give us a little bit of your backstory. Where are you from? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. No, for sure. For sure. So um, born in 73. I was actually born in Mexico. Pira Negras Coahuila. Uh, so, say it one more time. Penehu. Pierra Negras, Coahuila. Pierra, Pierra, Pierra Negras, Coahuila. What so does that mean? Like a border town. So, so here, of course, we're in South Texas. So it's a border town, a Beagle Pass, Texas. It's a small town. Okay. Across the border. So it's called Pierra Negras. Okay. So I was born there in Mexico in 73. So my mom and dad, uh, didn't speak in English, you know, and, and, uh, but I was raised in San Antonio. So 74, 75, we moved to San Antonio and we started, um, you know, it's, it's crazy because my dad been around trucking all his life. You know, he started as a truck driver and started in the early 70s, mid 70s. And for him, it was always his goal to become an owner operator, you know, become independent, you know, contractor and buy his own truck. But uh, but but as a kid, I mean, I tell you, it, it took it was a struggle, you know, for him just constantly just working, driving. And for my mom, you know, it was my brother and my sister. So it was three, three, you know, raising three kids. Right. Uh, no English. And um, it was it was tough for her, you know, because my dad was always out. Right. He was always driving. So over the road, what I call OTR. So over the road, he was driving to say two, three weeks out on the road and he'd come in for three or four days. So I would barely see him, you know, as a kid growing up in high school, middle school. And I didn't play any sports. I was <laughs> kind of one of those kids that, you know. Back of the class, didn't really get involved with anything, right? And no social life, and uh, just to myself, you know. And and uh, but it was tough, man. And my mom, I got to give her all the praise and, and the glory because uh, she did it, you know. She did it. And uh, do, do you know why your family moved to San Antonio per se? Well, just just for better opportunity. Okay, you know, better opportunity. And my dad was always wanted to become a a truck driver. Okay, and, uh, at the early age, you know, he got a CDL and started driving. And he kind of heard this was the place to be. Any any family or anything here? Did you guys no have family? It? No, no, no. Okay, just, yeah. So you guys just came to San Antonio, started here. What was San San Antonio like as far as you can remember back? I mean, obviously, 74, 75, you were a kid, but growing up, like, what was it like? What was it like in the area? Besides being hot? <laughs> um, I mean, it was it was uh, it was cool. It was simple, you know, and the, the environment, um, you know, just growing up. I mean, as a kid, you know, I, I always looked up to my dad, you know, seeing him. The very few times that I would see him growing up, you know, I, I always watched him and, and uh, the fact that he worked so hard, you know. Right. And, and it taught me all, everything that I, that I know today. Yeah. And uh, and that was his goal. His goal was just to become an independent contractor. And luckily, you know, in 77, was we, he was able to purchase his first truck. 
Um, he bought his first truck and was able to do it. And then from there, it just kind of took off. Okay. So that, you were two years old at that time. You were no, I was, so I was actually six, seven when he, when he, okay. when he bought his first truck. So he bought his first truck and, and he's off, he's over the road. So you don't really see him that much. So, so tell me about, you, you say kind of throughout high school, you were quiet kind of to yourself. What, what, tell me about yourself growing up. Like, did you get into any sports? Like, tell me a little bit about that, man. Your childhood. Man, I, I didn't do much. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then growing up in high school, I was, I was kind of confused a little bit because, you know, I have an uncle who's an RN, registered nurse. So I wasn't really sure what I was going to do in life. You know, I mean, do I become, do I follow my father's footsteps and become a truck driver or do I go my uncle's route and try to become an RN? So I looked at both the options and I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to try, I'm going to try to become a registered nurse, you know? And, okay. Uh, tried school and man, I'm going to tell you, it, it was tough. It was right. tough. Books were, you know, it was just too much for me to deal with. Uh, I called it quits, you know, okay. after a year or two years of, of just taking basics and going through college. So I uh, called my pops up and said, hey, look. Sorry, man, but I, I need to do something. I need to, uh, you know, teach me teach me how to drive. Okay. And at yeah. this point, where is, your, where is your dad in his career? He was, at that point, he had had his first truck. Okay. So, uh, so over the course of the late 70s, he's, he became, you know, what we call a, a contractor, owner operator. So he was able to add on a couple of pieces of equipment, you know, add on a couple of trucks. And uh, throughout the early, you know, 80s, 90s, we started working for several different companies and hauling auto parts for GM and Chrysler. Okay. So we would do is we would haul actually empty racks going to Michigan, Ohio, Toledo, and then loaded racks coming back south. So what we call team driving. So it was always two guys to a truck. Right. So for example, if you leave, let's say, um, I believe we start here from San Antonio, you know, you or me are driving, right? We're, we're in a truck and uh, you take off, you start driving, you go from here to Texarkana, you know, six, seven hour drive. I'm supposed to be asleep, right? While you're driving and we get to Texarkana, we switch off, you know, and I drive, you sleep. So, so team driving was, was very, very difficult because, man, think about like two guys in a rig, right? Yeah. In a bunk, in the same bunk. Yeah. So you really got to get to know the guy, right? You, you, you guys got to like get along and, and, and work it out, figure out, okay, you know what? Don't matter if you're ride, running day or night, you know, we're running 24 seven. So the truck doesn't stop. You know, we average about 6,000 miles a week team driving. So it worked out great. It worked out good. So we did that eighties and nineties and, uh, I graduated in 91. Okay. In high school. So when I graduated high school and I'm like, man, man, that's when I was kind of like, you know, not sure what I was going to do in life, you know, and I tried that RN and didn't work out. So when I approached my pops and, you know, started getting my CDL, he's like, okay, look, it's going to be tough. You know, it, you know, we, we're going to, I can show you. And, um, but, uh, I tell you what, man, it, it was hard. It was hard. A hard life, man, of a truck driver. Okay. So, so you got your CDL and you started driving. So you actually, were you on one of those teams? Yeah. 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 I was on one of those teams. And, uh, when I started driving, I remember, you know, being with my pops and he was teaching me how to drive, you know, shifting gears, you know, the clutch and, and stop and go, the, the backing up. And, uh, man, I remember, I recall one day I was driving in and I was in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And I'm driving in Atlanta and I'm like, holy crap, like the traffic. It was like <laughs> eight o'clock on a Monday morning and I was on the loop of, of Atlanta and I look at the, just the whole environment, just the fact that like, I'm driving a semi, right? So right. I'm driving a rig and you got all these cars next to you, in front of you, behind you. And man, it was overwhelming, you know? And I, I just, I had to suck it up and just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, but but your, your dad being able to grow the company from one to 35, let, let's not pass over that, like, that must have been a lot. I mean, not even being from the country, like, how, what, what, how did he do it? Like, what, what was the... Just worked hard. <laughs> Just worked hard. Yeah. You know, I tell people that uh, as a kid growing up, you know, you, you always, I always tell guys like, like, I never saw my pops. Yeah. He was always working, you know, and then different owner operators will tell you, okay, I, I work hard, but you know what, you know, to get, to get ahead in life, you have to, you got to make struggles. You got to make sacrifices. Yeah. And I think my pops did that because- you know, as a kid, you know, I, I tell you, I miss like his birthdays wasn't around. There was holidays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. There was some holidays where I'd never see him. Right. You know, we're talking 30 days running consecutive and then coming in for three, four days. And those three, four days were ran fast. You know, let's say he came in on a Friday, right back Monday morning, Monday afternoon. He's right back on it, you know, over right. the road. And then he pushed another three, four weeks out. So, you know, just working hard, just working hard. And how, how, how did he understand like the business to build it up? Like to get from being a single owner operator to start adding on trucks? Did he get like a, a good contract or what, what was the catalyst for that to start growing the fleet? Man, just having good teams, just having good, good uh, drivers, having that relationship with the guys, 
you know, my dad was real one on one, you know, and, yeah. and talking to his drivers and and then just uh, building up his credit. You okay. know, because think about this: like his first truck, he didn't have. I mean, didn't speak in English. Right. Came from came, came from a, a Piraneras, you know, Eagle Pass. He didn't have any funds. Um, he had to work for somebody else and save up little by little. And man, I remember, you know, I recall like as a kid driving in, in a car. Every Sunday he would drive, and he would, I was I was wanting to you know purchase that for his first truck. And I was driving in the car, and I was sitting in the back seat, and it was hot, you know. And I was probably probably about four or five at that time, and and uh, and man, the car, I could see the roadway, man. It didn't have any. You could see the asphalt. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, that's how old the car was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know? Flintstones. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just it's tough, you know. And, yeah. All right, got you. All right, so now you get into the business. You start team driving. You said you're on one of those teams, but you started with your dad. Your dad trains you, right, to yes. drive. You learn, get your chops, cut your teeth in driving. Then kind of tell me about where things go from there. Man, so I started driving. It was uh, 1996, um, just going across country, going to Toledo, Michigan, Ohio, team driving. Um, I always had a guy with me. So my dad would always, you know, he would always give me his uh, – I don't want to say his right hand guy, but it's one of his lead guys, right? Right. Somebody you could trust. Yeah. His yeah, son, yeah. you know, he's gonna take care of you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I tell you, everybody learns, you know, from experiences. And uh I recall one one afternoon I was in uh Effingham, Illinois, small town in Illinois, and uh, it was cold. It was cold. It was uh snowing. Um roads, some of the roads were closed. It was probably about maybe 15, 18 inches of snow. Um, and it was it was brutal, man. It was cold, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm driving, you know, truck and trailer loaded. And the guy's asleep, right? And he comes out of the bunk and he's looking at me like, like, you know, hey, son, you're good? You're good? And I'm holding on to the wheel and I'm like, uh, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm driving. Well, guess what? Um, I lost control. You mm. know, I was only going 20, 25 miles an hour. But as soon as I hit a draft of wind, um, it just, I just lost it. Oh, wow. I just lost it. So I was, I jackknifed. Luckily, there was no cars involved. Um, at that time, there was very little traffic. Uh, but it was uh, early in the morning. I uh, lost control, a jackknife. But it was a good experience for me, you know. And and uh, it goes to show you, you know, a lot of times I tell people, us as a truck drivers, you know, we have to be in the defensive at all times. Yeah. You know, what's ahead of you? What's in front of you? You know, constantly looking. You can't be distracted whatsoever. And 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 it, it's it's a tough it's a tough uh, career. Yeah. And, and I mean that could have um, discouraged you. Yeah. As well. So sure. how did how did you move? move forward past that, you know, experience? Man, I overcame it. You know, I just uh, sucked it up and, and it is what it is. I mean, it was an accident, what I call, but but it was a it was a learning experience for me, you know, to become a better driver. Um, and I learned from it. Got you. So what was next after that? So 96, uh, kept driving. So at that time, I already had about two, three years of experience, you know. Uh, of course, I started with that incident and just growing and learning everything about the business, learning how to... Uh, you know, with the driver's experience, you know, with the drivers, what the trucks go through, uh, pre-trips, post-trips, yeah. uh, everything to do with traffic, everything to do with weather, and then um, just evolved into the business, you know, and, and um, that was back in 96. Uh, so we started the company here, Triple RD. So we opened up this business in 2001. Okay. At that time, we were already up to like 70 trucks. Okay. So our, our goal in 01 was to pretty much build Triple RD so to service our equipment. Okay. And we started doing that. And, and so that was one, in this facility here? Yeah, that's his facility so, right here. So the first business was Triple R Diesel. Correct. And that was to service those trucks. Okay. Got you. So you start that business. Tell me tell me about starting that business. How was it starting a, a diesel shop? Yeah. And so, was it only solely for your trucks? Or did you guys take outside fleet Well, we were so busy that? with our own trucks, yeah. you know? So we were just servicing our trucks. And, right. And hiring mechanics and learning how to like deal. Okay. We have our own technicians now. You know, we're going to service our own equipment. Uh, but it worked out good. It worked out great. So you you guys start the shop. Tell tell me about that. So who who actually uh, initiated starting the shop? Whose ideas uh, the idea was that? And how did you guys kind of get started doing that? That was my dad's idea. Okay, uh, building the shop. We called it Triple R. Yep. So it's me and my brother and my dad. You know, figured on three R's. We'll call okay. it tri- Triple R Diesel. Makes sense. Catchy name. And then um, we started hiring. You know, mechanics and 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 it just getting the feel of of a repair facility. You know, figuring out okay, what do we? You know, we're gonna stock on filters. We're gonna stock on parts. And then um, we just evolved into just a repair repair facility. Got you. And, and a full-fledged repair facility. You said you guys were just like pretty much doing your own equipment because you, you had so much equipment. You didn't yeah. have time to take anybody else's stuff. Is that still the same today or do you guys- That's still the same today. Yeah. It's just your own stuff. Yeah. Okay. So the shop, the shop was created in 01. And in 2002, my dad had this idea 
And he, he, what he said, he's like, you know, let's get a truck. Let's build a dump truck out of it. You know, let's get a, a, a Peterbilt used chassis. We'll knock the sleeper off of it. We'll put a dump body on it. Let's paint it. You know, let's paint it. Let's put some lights on it. We are here live at OTR Solutions HQ. I'm here with my partner, Jonathan. Man, listen, factoring is an integral part of the transportation industry. Why is factoring important? Absolutely, Ramel. In this economy, in this market, cash flow is king. Cash flow is the key to growth. If you have a young trucking company or if you've been in the industry for years and you want to take that business to the next level, we're absolutely a company that can help. So I hope you'll give us a call today. Let us know what we can do to help you out. Get the rest and roll with the best. Let's go. And, um, and let's put it on the highway. You know? Let's put it out here on 35 and let's see what it does. For marketing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For marketing and for selling purposes. Okay. Because right? yeah. at that time, I mean, we were already running trucks, you know, but we want to kind of just evolve to something else and, and kind of experiment into, into the actual truck sales side. Okay. And uh, man, I'll tell you, my dad, uh, my dad's idea worked, man. It's uh, <laughs> a Saturday morning. He parks the rig. It's done, right? We have worked on it for two, three weeks. Yeah. We park it out on Saturday morning. And we probably had about four or five people just stopping, just looking at it. Okay. And uh, man, truck sold within so, hours. So what did you guys do to that, do that truck? Tell me about that process. You, you guys purchased like an old truck and then just restored just old, it? Yeah, just an old truck. Uh, just uh, what I Peterbilt? call it, kind of pre-emission. Okay. Used Peterbilt. Yep. Yeah, and just getting it and just just building building the body on it and just customizing it, repainting it. Kind of like a refurbing. Ref- kind of like yeah. an old home and just... Refurbing it. Right. And Pretty then much. just put it right there on the side of the road yeah. and everybody stopped by like, what is that thing? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. Got a lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. for sure. All right, cool. So you guys start the, the shop and then what happens after that? So we we had like we liked that idea. So we saw truck sales as an opportunity for us to expand our business and um, we got into buying more equipment. So we started going across country, you know, from auctions to wholesalers, from California to New York. We started going to different auctions and buying used equipment. So my dad and myself or my brother, one of us would just kind of pick and choose who's going to go to these auctions. We fly in and we look at the equipment. We look at the, you know, if it's a good condition or not. And we would buy trucks. You know, we would buy three or four or five at a time and then bring them, bring them back into uh, San Antonio and, and get them here and, and start refurbing them. You know, okay. Building them, building them from the ground up. What, what auctions you guys going to for these trucks? Like, what? Like Richie, Richie Bros? Or that, what, what? Richie Brothers, uh, Taylor Martin, different auctions. Okay. Got you. Is there a certain price point that you'd want to stick around for, for what you wanted to so purchase? So our idea is buying a truck. Man, the conditions, anywhere between the twenty to 40000 market, mm-hmm. and then putting about fifteen twenty thousand 20000 in it. Okay. And after that, just flipping the truck and selling it. Okay. And I think what, what worked for us is uh, the internet. The internet is just, just powerful. I mean, back then, that was old two, old three time frame. And I realized like, oh, wow, like the internet's, man, you could just... You could just build off of it. You know, right. we had a truck and we customized it and then we had it on the internet and within like days it just sold. What type of what type of guys are buying these trucks? Oh gosh, everybody. <laughs> everybody, man. Everybody that had the money, they would just buy it. So I mean, cause cause these trucks, I mean, obviously trucks are used to, you know, haul commodities from point A to point B. But when you start tricking them out and putting all this customization into them, it becomes a little bit more than about yeah. hauling freight. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh I'd like to show you one. If you yeah, want yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. You, you grab one. So, so the idea, the idea is, is building, let's say building a rig like this, right? Okay. So we would get a Peterbilt, you know, and what we would do is just customize it. So this, this is actually conventional Peterbilt. What we did, we actually took the sleeper off of it, built a dump body on it, and then customized it. So we would do the stacks, the lights, the paint job. We would do the front end, you know, go to 16 fronts, you know, polish it up, and man, Something like this on the internet, it, it would just sell. It would right. sell instantly. Right. So we got smart. So we started doing it. We started just leaving the equipment on, on the internet. And then people start calling and calling and calling. I'm like, hey, like, hey, Raul, is this truck available? Like, you know what? It's not. It's not. We just sold it, but I could build you something like it. Something like it. Yeah. You know, with a deposit, it takes six to eight weeks to build. And by then, they were, oh gosh, we had a, we had a list, we had a waiting list. <laughs> I mean, yeah. do, these, do these guys even care about the engine? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we would we would do our you, work. You, you, know? you take we care of that. the engine, right? We would do like bottom end, top end of the motors. We wouldn't overhaul them, but we would do what, what was necessary to make sure the the truck was was you know good driving conditions. Right, right. Yeah. But they're more concerned with the aesthetic. Oh yeah, yeah, for, for sure. sure, for sure. Once right? they see pictures like this, yeah, nah, that's yeah. that's beautiful, man. We had customers, we had customers wiring us ten thousand. <laughs> Like, hey, I'm ready to buy. You know? Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. okay. Nah, that, that, that's cool. All right, so 
So you guys start that now. So you start buying trucks, flipping trucks. So now you go from the shop. Now you're a truck dealer. But not really a conventional truck dealer, like a custom truck dealer. Like that's kind of like right. your thing, right? right? All right. So tell me more how the so business, business is good. Yeah, yeah. Oh five, oh six. I mean, we got to a point where we're doing about 15, 20 trucks a month. Okay. We had orders, you know, from, from California, New York. We have people from Canada put orders in. So they would give us a deposit. You know, we would tell them, we would create a retail order. We would say, okay, this is what, this is what your truck's going to look like. You know, we'll be done in six to eight weeks. Here's your final bill. We require, you know, deposit. They would send a deposit. And once the truck was done, completed, we would pick them up at the airport, bring them in, and then they would pick up the truck and head on home. When, when the person would put a deposit, do you guys even have the truck at that point? Is it like a person has an inquiry? Yeah. you guys go get the truck? And no, we have the truck You already have the truck already. Yeah, yeah. So have- when the person's on the internet, they're looking at the, the truck stripped. Correct. And you're showing them the before and after. The before you're like, this after, is what yeah. the truck looks like now. When it's done, it's going to look like this. That's right. That's right. Okay, got you. And they That's just right. drop that 10K yeah, or whatever they ready, and they're ready to go. ready to buy. You know? <laughs> and at, at the time, it was tough because who's going to have a truck like that already done? Right. Available for sale. Yeah. Who, who, who else is doing that type of work? Oh, especially gosh, in I this area. we were the only ones in the country at that time. Yeah, for, you know, really? Other than, other than uh, Trick My Truck back in, uh, you know, with Joplin, Missouri, you know? Right. They were real popular back, back in the day. So that idea really came from just, you guys just, it was, you just dreamed it up. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's yeah. interesting. All right, you said you you started doing about twenty to fifty trucks a month. Fifteen to twenty trucks a month. Twenty yeah. trucks a month. Yeah, we got to a point where we uh, custom built about twelve hundred trucks. Okay, with the span of 01 to 08. Now 08, that's when the market crash. You know, we had a big uh, market crash, and people stopped buying. Yeah, it, it was tough. In 08, it was just one of those like, like, what do we do now? You right. Know? How much of a team does it take to pump out that kind of inventory, man? Oh gosh, it was a team of about 50, 60 guys. Wow, yeah, 50, working, 60 guys. Seven days a week. So you got everything from like the paint, the chrome, or like I'm, I'm sure there's like a lot of parts to it. Can you go get into like all the different guys that you have yeah. working on different parts? So we got we got smart. So like in 04, we started realizing like, okay, we're buying all these accessories from other people. Why don't we just create our own shop? Why don't we create Texas Chrome Shop and then in-house our stuff? Create our own inventory. And at the same time, we're building these trucks, right? So we're going to use our parts on our trucks, so in 04, we created Texas Chrome Shop. So we had Triple R Diesel, we had Texas Chrome Shop, and within the, within the combination of both, we were able to, you know, fulfill all the all the needs, all, all the orders. orders. How, how was it getting that started? The, the the Chrome Shop. Oh man, I was mean, that I, difficult? You had to like outsource that stuff and all. Outsource that? it. Uh, just just getting you know vendors becoming a vendor from yeah. from different manufacturers. Yeah. Uh, you had your bumpers, you had your grills, you had your lights. You know, back in the day, LED lights were, were popular. Yeah. Everybody wanted LED lights. Right. Everybody wanted stacks. Right. So, so, I mean, it was just creating a, a, a big old accounts list, you know, of, of all these vendors and, and suppliers that we had. How'd you guys know where to start though? Like, because that's like a whole different business. It is totally different. Totally <laughs> like, different. Like, did you know anybody who was in the business or anything like that? Or you just kind of like started like cold calling different vendors and saying, Man, hey, just, do you have this? And, and how did you know, like, what was a fair price to pay for this stuff in bulk? Like, I'm just trying to get an idea because it's like, an, it's like a brand new business. Correct. Correct. A uh, good question. Yeah. So... We just figured it out, you know, little by little, just asking questions, just, uh, you know, what other chrome shops are in the country, you know, kind of, kind of feeling them out, you know, calling them like we're a customer and, you know, asking the, the yeah, certain yeah, questions, yeah. you know, see what they're, <laughs> see what they're going to answer. Right, know? right, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. So you guys, now you guys have the chrome shop. Um, we got the, the, the shop, you're doing the custom bills, you're doing 15 to 20 trucks a month, which is crazy. Um, and that, that business is doing well, obviously. But you still want to go further. You still want to expand. You, yeah. you still have a hunger for more. So yeah. what is next? So in 08, in 08, the market crash, you know, we were like, man, people stop buying. People stop buying. And, and uh, you know, 08, 09. So we started realizing, okay, you know what? Maybe we don't do too much, you know, not too much bling bling, not too much stacks and lights and chrome. Right. What if we just get a, a conventional Peterbilt or, or Kenworth, whatever. And if we say we bought the truck for 30, 35K, just do the minimum. You know, don't go too crazy and put 20K, 30K in it and try to flip it for 80K. What if we just buy a truck for 30, 35, but sell it for 40, 45, right? Mm. Maybe do just basics like tires, you know, mechanical, check the lights, make sure it's in good working condition, DOT ready. And um, that worked too, you know, and uh, people at that time in 08, 09, try to save money and, and try to cut costs. So, uh, man, I'll tell you another story. In uh, 09, we had a guy that was just buying trucks left and right, you know, and Never forget his name. His name is Bernard. Okay. Right? He comes in my office. He comes in and it's like, hey, um, basic guy, regular guy buying a truck. 
with his little duffel bag, right? And uh, hey, I'm here to buy a truck. I'm like, well, okay. The cool. duffel bag has money in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It was all cash. Okay. It was all cash. All right. I like Bernard already. Yeah. yeah. My kind of guy. Yeah, my kind of guy. But he was looking at a truck and then he's like, okay, you know, I go out there with him. I show him the truck and, you know, we turn it on, look at the inside, open up the hood. He checks it out. He's like, okay, I'll take it. All right. 40K. Okay. So he comes out and he just busts out 40K cash. <laughs> Buys a truck. Well, the following week, he buys another truck, right? He calls me again. He's like, hey, Ro, I'm ready for another one. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are, you, what are you looking for? Same type of truck. Right. All right, I got two or three I can show you. So I go out through the yard, show him the trucks, and he's looking out, you know, checking, trying to see which one he wants. So he picks one out, buys another one, buys a second truck. A couple of weeks later, man, I'm, he calls me again. I'm like, okay, but like, like, this, this dude's something. <laughs> I got to know what the hell you're hauling. You know, hey, what, what are you doing, on? man? So, right, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, so I'll pull him out to the side, like Bernard, like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you hauling? He's like, I'm hauling frac sand. I'm hauling frac sand in a pneumatic trailer. And to me at the time, I, I didn't know what a pneumatic trailer was. I didn't know what frac sand was, but he was in the oil and gas business. So I'm like, man, Bernard, you know, hey, if you don't mind, I'd I like to learn what you're doing. You know, hey, maybe, maybe help me out. I'll help you. You help me. You know, maybe we can both grow together. And I'll find you more trucks, but give me a shot with one or two trucks, you know, under your company. Right. So he now, 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 real quick, Raul, at this point, the 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 transport side of the business, are you guys still up and we running? We weren't actually downsizing. You so, downsized. Okay. So I mentioned 08, 09. The so crash. The, yeah. So the crash, when the market crashed in 08, 09, in 08, you know, we were hauling, we were probably doing about 75 trucks, you know, OTR. Yeah. And the fuel, if you go back in the day, fuel spiked up. I mean, it, it jumped up dramatically. So the company we were working for didn't give us a fuel surcharge. So we all, we had brand new trucks, brand new Pete's, you know, and, and trailers. And, uh, man, we started downsizing. Gotcha. But we were good at the time because we were already building triple R diesel was already building these semi trucks. So we're like, you know, we downsized. So you kind of pivoted into that. Correct. Got you. So you guys had like a dedicated contract with a company. They weren't taking care of you guys on the fuel end. And you guys said, you know, let's, let's, let's kind of pivot into this. The, the, uh, the chrome shop and flipping the trucks yeah. and so forth. Okay, yeah. got it. I just want to see what was going on with the transport because cool, cool. now you're talking about a, a, a new transportation business, right? Yes, sir. All right, so let's get back to Bernard. Bernard yeah, so tells now, you about no, oil back and to gas. Bernard with the duffel bag, With right? the duffel bag, duffel yeah, bag duffel Bernard. Bag cash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, so three trucks, three trucks. I'm like, I mean, come on, Bernard, you got to help, help, help me out. I'll help you, you help me. You know? yeah. like, give me a shot with one truck. He's like, okay, I'll help you out. Like, we'll put the truck under, under my fleet. You know, I'll take a little percentage off the top and um, I'll pay you. Well, this guy was making crazy money. I mean, what's, cr- what's crazy money? Uh, one truck, 35K. One, one truck, 35K per what? Month. Per, per month? month? Okay. Per month, yeah. And, 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 what, and what year again? That's 2008? That was, uh, that was 2009. 2009. Okay. Sounds yeah. like good money to me. Yeah. So 2009, we had this oil boom in South Texas that nobody really knew about, right? So 2009, 2010... You know, the industry kind of changed a little bit to where we had this oil boom in South Texas. You know, oil oil was was high, you know, the price of barrel. And there was a big need for trucks. There was a, a need of, of just trucking. And that's what he did. We were hauling frac sand in pneumatic tankers. So he gave me the opportunity. We started. So I decided to create a company called TCT in 2010. Okay. Which we did and um, started with one truck. Now, now, how many trucks did Bernard have oil in the sand at that time? On his own, he had about 10. He had about, he 10. about 10. So he so he was kind of still in the infant stages, just kind of building up himself. And that's when you kind of caught him. So you caught him at a good time. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't yeah. too it wasn't too crazy yet. Yeah, I did. I did. All right. So just for the for the listeners who don't understand, can you tell us like how that kind of works? Hauling frac sand, because some you said it to somebody, they may not even know what you're talking about. So what can you tell us about that? So the old companies, what they do when they drill complete wells, so they'll drill, they'll drill a well, and when they complete the well, that's where, that's where frac sand comes in. So they use frac sand and chemicals to pump the frac sand and chemicals down hole. So the, they, they'll do that, and they'll actually extract, they'll, they'll pump the chemicals and sand down hole, and then when they hit the shell formation, it extracts the oil out of the ground. So you got, you got drilling, you got completions, you got production. So that's, that's the oil and gas industry. You said drilling, completions, completions and then production? And then production. Okay, so what's com- I know what drilling is what's completion? Yeah, so we're delivering we're delivering frac sand to the well sites. So we load up at a load site and then go to location. We're on location and we're just delivering and offloading to a silo. 
Okay, got you. And then once it goes into the silo, because you're talking to somebody who doesn't understand this yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. So once it goes to the silo, what does that mean? Like, where, where is that going? No, exactly. I mean, even coming from us, like yeah. our background, yeah, you got OTR, you got roofer. <laughs> right. You know, I was a regular truck driver. Right. And then when you come into oil and gas, and I'm like, like, holy crap, that's yeah. a whole different environment. Right. You know? You're saying the words that sound like for they sure. make sense to you, but I don't get them. So no, for sure. when you say you deliver them to the silo, the silo is, I know what a silo is, but what, where do they go from the silo? Like, it's just. From the silo, they actually pump it down ground. Down, down pump it into the ground, and then that's what fracks the ground, right? Correct. Okay, got you. So, you guys are doing that back and forth how many times a day? Oh, gosh. We were doing, uh, so that was, a, that was a time frame about 20, 2011, you know, what I call kind of like an old boom in South Texas. Yeah. And man, he was, man, they were raking in money. They were doing good. And so he was paying me. Every week, every week. So I was working for him, right? Okay. I was working kind of like kind of like working under him, right? So like leased under, yeah, leased under yeah, his leased, company, leased under under his company. Okay. So when I decided to just kind of branch out and just kind of go on my way and create TCT, you know, I wanted to just kind of create and get my own account, you know, yeah. and maybe possibly you know earn or work for my own crew. Yeah. How were you able to do that? How did you just like build some relationships while you were working with and him? Ask, asking a lot of questions, man. <laughs> figuring, figuring it out, you know, realizing that, that it's not easy, you know, because Drivers had to become safe and certified. They had to become H2S certified. They had to become, uh, you had to be clean shaved. You know, you couldn't be clean shaved. Yeah. Too? yeah. You could go to the full beard. You know, you go really? to these, these well sites. They're real strict. Okay. They're real strict. Yeah. yeah. You got to have full PPE, steel toes, hard hat, respirator, and, and, uh, you had to have all your certifications. So it took time. It took time for us to figure out all that. Okay. Requirements. So, there, so is it like a lot of politics involved in the in in the industry? Like when you say like clean shaving and all that, like they want you to look a certain way. Like you're driving a truck. What's the difference if you got a beard or not? It's all about safety. It's, it's all, all about safety. safety. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Safety was part priority number one priority. Got you. All right. So you start growing in that business. You start making relationships, and then tell me about how you start growing TCT. We started evolving into uh, just growing and adding more more and more trucks to the fleet. So we started in 20, you know, we created TCT in late 20, late 20, uh, 2010. Yeah. And in 2011, 2012, we're good. We're all great years. Uh, 13 and 14 were probably the best years. And man, we were doing good. We were, we're getting to a point where like old companies started requiring trucks. You know, they, they needed trucks. They, there wasn't enough trucks to go around. Right. So all these old companies just paid whatever, you know. It got to a point where we're getting paid 2200 a day per truck, whether the truck worked or didn't work. That's how, that's how. Whether they yeah. did or didn't work. Yeah, correct. Wow. Yeah, we call that the dedicated rate. <laughs> dedicated rate. Okay, so how does, okay, so this is obviously a specialized type of job, right? And like you said, it takes special safety training, special uh, PPE, all this kind of stuff. So if, if you're in this niche, it's kind of like, like you said, the work don't stop. Like it's, they always yeah. have work. But who are you going to to get this work? Man, we uh we just get contracts, you know, and just little by little, just showing them that we had the drivers that were certified, we had the dispatch team, we had the coordinating team, we had the equipment to haul, you know, and 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 not so much the equipment, but the the capacity, the, the capacity. capacity to be able to do a location, a well. Let's say a well is going to run a two well zipper is going to run, you know, two weeks at a time. You know, are you going to be able to? To withstand and have that capacity from start to finish. Right. That was important. Are, are you bidding on this work or is it just something like, hey, this is what we're paying. Bring your trucks and we'll, we'll this, this Back what in 13, 14, it really, it wasn't, it didn't require, it wasn't so much about a bid. It was about who had the trucks, who didn't. Okay. You know, so these old companies became, you know, price of oil back in the day in 2014 was over a hundred dollars a barrel. So they were making a killing and, and there wasn't, there was too many completion, like wells that were completing but not enough trucks. Gotcha. So, so that time at the time, all operators were just like, Hey, look, if you have the trucks, you got 30, 40, we'll pay you. We want to, we want to we wanna be able to allocate those trucks to our location. So we were making a killing. I mean, we did, oh gosh, we ran about at that time we were up to about a hundred trucks, mm. you know, between owner operators and, and the company trucks, company trucks were about 30 owner ops were about 70. So about a hundred trucks running back in uh, late 13 to 14, yeah. Yeah, that's when times were good. Yeah. <laughs> how, how many different companies would you see out there typically like on a, on a frack site? Like trucking companies? Yeah, trucking companies. Oh, gosh. Uh, man, you know, so in 14, times were great, good. It worked got out. You know, I'm like, man, these trucks are making a killing. We're doing about 10, 12,000 a week. Okay. Net, uh, 14, 15,000 gross. 
we had people we had people coming in from all over you know just buying equipment they, they all equipment. wanted to they all wanted to get into oil and gas they all right. wanted to haul frac sand and, right uh, man in 15 uh i hate to say this but 15 man oil crashed just mm. came down why what happened 15 just came down it uh you know, we were at over hundred dollars a barrel, and uh, the market just came down. And, and by then, fifteen, you talk about maybe you know, US probably had about sixteen hundred drilling rigs at that time, thirteen and fourteen, and just oil crashed. So when oil crashes, what happens to you guys? Uh, work, work just kind of went away. So what do you do? Figure it out, you know. So you have uh, a bunch of drivers now at this point. They're yeah. look, they're depending on you for work. They're used to working every day, probably two, three runs a day or whatever they're doing, Correct. trips a day, and then it just cold turkey like that cold stops turkey, man. So, you get a call and they say hey we're not drilling today is that how, how it works that's how pretty much what happened in 15 you know so a lot of the guys that were in you know some of my competitors back in the day in 14 were buying brand new traders brand new trucks and um just couldn't survive you know they couldn't make that payment uh work just stopped yeah so i was blessed i was one of the fortunate ones that did with my money i was able to pay all my equipment off so i didn't have a lot of debt i didn't i didn't have bills i didn't have truck payments or trader payments. So, you know, the drivers were used to making about $2,000 a week. Well, when work stopped in 15, you know, we had to just, man, it was just one of those moments. It was like, it was tough. You know, we, we had to just kind of get by and figure it out. Okay. What do we do now? You know, what do we do? What do we do? And well, luckily in 15, 16, we just, we went from making, let's say $1,200 on a hundred mile, hundred mile haul at 1200 bucks. Well, in 15, 16, I was only making three to 350. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's how much it dropped. That's dramatic, man. Yeah. So, okay. So the drivers are still, they're still working. They're still doing it. But why is it a drop so much? Why is it such a drastic drop in the rate? Because you're still doing the same work. Correct. So is it like a matter of supply and demand? There's so much supply and there's not enough demand so they could pay you less? Is that yeah, what it so is? Yeah, the so demand, the demand dropped and in all companies, all operators had to figure it out. Like, okay, so if they're paying X amount for sand, they were paying about 120 $120 a ton, you know, and, and trucking was expensive, you know, trucking. Oh my God. I mean, they were giving us 2,200 a day per truck. So they had to just, you know, figure out, okay, how do we save costs? You know, how save we- costs by paying you guys less. Yeah. So did a lot of guys leave you at that time? A lot of guys left, you know, I went from, from a hundred, I scattered scale back down to about 30. Okay. 30, which were all my company trucks okay. at that time. So by then I was already at 30 trucks. Luckily, unfortunately I was, I was able to just have my equipment paid for but but felt 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 bad you know felt bad for my guys yeah know? for sure so so what did you do with the trucks during that time the thirty trucks that you left with your 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 man, guys I went I went to West Texas I went to East Texas I would try to find work in oil and gas um and just and just do what I had to do you know just I, yeah the runs didn't pay much but but uh, luckily in sixteen seventeen oil started coming back up a little bit you know and back in eighteen it creeped up so eventually rates were, were coming back up how do you manage that because a lot of People, I mean, you guys are a pretty sizable, you know, sized fleet, right? Even to this day currently. But a lot of, you know, owners struggle with having to have those hard conversations with their drivers when, you know, things dry up and things aren't looking like they weren't, weren't, once were. Going through that, how did you handle those times with, with your guys? Man, just talking to them and just giving them just positive feedback. Let them know like, hey, it, it, it's it's coming back. You know, it's it's going to get better. Um just helping them, you know, uh, for example, let's say a driver had a bad week, you know, he's in a bind, uh, help, help the guy out. You know, if he's got to pay me and he's got to pay X amount, you know, we advance him the money and just able to just get by and, and just hustling and looking for work, you know, yeah. trying to just get out there and just, just put your name out there. You know, by then, I mean, TCT, we already had a name and, and, and a build of regards to what the trucks look like, but also the drivers, but just eventually just getting get our name out there and, and right. finding the work. But of course you can't please everybody. And of course there's gonna be guys that aren't happy and that, you know, move on and so forth. And that's just it yeah. just is what it is, you know. Yeah, and there's you know, in trucking, there is a big turnover on drivers. There is yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. All right. So 2015, uh, that that time period comes. You guys go through what you go through. You have to kind of pivot. You said you went to some other oil fields in other areas to try to find some other work. Just scrambling, pretty much doing what you yeah. got to do. Yeah, yeah. Right? So so 15, 15, we had a, a kind of like a different avenue where we had Discovery reach out to us. You know, okay. And, and actually, late 14, early 15, Discovery Communications and uh, Discovery Channel was interested. In, in doing a show, you know, okay. doing a show on reality, on, on the family, on the business. So at that time, they already had seen, you know, all the YouTube videos. 
what yeah, you guys seen are doing. all the bills that we've done and and you know over the course of the last 12 15 years and uh they uh they did a they did a, what I call kind of like a like a clip you know a 5 minute clip okay they come out here they they hired a film crew they spent about 2 days here and uh quick 5 minutes you kind of introduce the family and they walked around they saw the property they saw the area they saw some of the bills that we were doing and then when they sent it back to California and uh get a call the next day I'm like hey we're interested in doing a show for you guys okay I'm like, okay, I mean, what, what does it consist of? You know, what's it going to do? You know? Right. Is it like one episode? Is it, what, what's it about? They're like, no, no, we're interested in doing a whole series. Right. I'm like, okay, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So now that presents a different opportunity for you. It's like, all right, well, the trucking ain't going good. Maybe I could be a movie right. star. There you go. <laughs> that's right. Sure. All, right. all right, cool. So so you do that with Discovery and and that's a success, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Discovery comes out and uh, we do we do the series, uh, consists of uh, eight episodes. Okay. So it was eight builds. And uh, and they were, when they were here the whole time, I mean, they were here for three months, three months consecutive. Yeah. A crew of about 15, 16 people uh, living here in San Antonio at a hotel. And they would come out here. They would start filming at about 9 a.m. We're all mic'd up, ready to go. What was hard, what was hard was having these eight builds within our property and actually doing them consecutive within the three months. So we had to build the eight rigs from start to finish and, and be completed, you know, within the 90 days. Got you. Now, now their focus for the show, were they focusing more on the Chrome shop? Were they focusing on the, the transportation business? What was it? Or was it just kind of everything, like just touching on all different, all the different there were They were more focused on the family. You know? On the they, family. They, they saw the, the family. They saw bilingual. Uh, the channel discovered Espanol. They yeah. realized like, oh gosh, you guys are bilingual. You guys are in the States. You're in San Antonio. Yeah. You build some amazing rigs. Like, like, hey, let's give you a show. And, so it was more about reality. It was more about, you know, yeah, my mother, my father, my sister-in-law, my brother, okay. and my wife. So it, okay. consisted, it consisted of the show of us six. Nice, nice. Did yeah. you have fun doing that? Uh, yeah, man. Was, <laughs> you hesitated. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was hard, man. It was yeah, hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, because you had to be, you're mic'd up, right? So you had to be in the zone, you know? You had to be positive and, and, and ready to go. And, you know, there was days where you're just like, you don't feel, you're not feeling it. You yeah. Know? You're just like, man, I'm tired. I'm like. Don't feel good, like yeah, I'm gonna take a day off. Like, no, man, you, they're here. Like, they're here to You go. gotta do what you gotta do. You have yeah. an obligation. Oh, Does reality TV pay well? Oh gosh, I got a story for that. So reality, reality, we're done with season one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with a reality show, there's a lot of ideas in, in the country. Everybody has ideas, right? So there's clips, you know, some people never make it past a clip. Some people never make it past one episode. You know, and for us to get a whole season, we're like, oh damn, like it's big, right? Yeah. And I, I knew that. And people were telling me, it's like, man, you, you guys are going to be, man, that's, that's a big deal. You know, you're getting a whole, a whole season. No, nobody gets that. Right. You know, there's, there's different people that have different shops across the country, but, but they'll, never, they'll never make it past one episode. So um, we're done. We're done with season one and we're filmed all eight episodes. We're tired as hell. You know, I mean, we had to run not just the family, but we got the business to run and, and we were here and. And they're all, you know, they're, we're done after 90 days, after the eight episodes, we're retired, we're burned out. So Discovery Communications decides to send us over to New York. And this was uh, May. And uh, the series hadn't aired yet, right? So the series they had planned for the fall to air in September. Mm. So in May, they put us up in, in Times Square in New York. They put us in front of 300, you know, sponsors. So these sponsors were going to buy like clips for commercials for the show. Mm-hmm. So they had the whole lineup. It's not just our show. They had like you know four or five different shows that they were gonna they were gonna promote. Yeah. So Discovery's there, and we're there, and we're backstage. They're gonna put us on stage. They're gonna they're gonna introduce us to the people, the three hundred people. And man, I'm nervous as hell. You know, I'm back there. I'm like, Shh. I'm like, God damn, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna do? You know, right? Everybody's so, so it's all, like a pitch. You're like pitching yeah, yourself pitch. in a, a way, right? And, okay. So three hundred sponsors, three hundred people, man. You got all pitch, dressed up. They're all dressed you up. You got to pitch suits. your show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm back there and I'm and I'm sitting with my brother, right? And we're just there. We're talking. We're trying to figure out, okay, you say this, I say that. And my brother's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're, we're there talking. And all of a sudden, the CEO of Discovery comes up, right? He comes up to us. And I already knew who he was. I'm like, oh, damn. Like, that's the CEO. He's like, he's like, you know what, son? He's like, don't worry about it. Don't don't be nervous. He goes, you guys are going to be good. I've seen clips. I said, it's going to be a good show. Yeah. You guys are going to be hit. You know, and when he said that, I was like, oh, damn. Right. He, he already kind of, you know, he, he kind of gave you the stamp. Yeah. He's already looked at it. He liked the show and he liked the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're back there. We get on stage and, uh, you know, the, the lady, the lady comes up in Discovery. She's on the stage. She's kind of introducing us, you know, the family to the, to the people. 
they showed this big old screen, you know, the, the promo for Texas Trocas. So they named it Texas Trocas. So Trocas is the slang word for trucks. Right. So instead of using the word Texas Chrome, you can't really translate Chrome in Spanish. So they used Trocas. So Texas Trocas was the name of the show. And they, so they showed a two-minute clip, you know, two-minute promo. And then we're there and we're talking about, you know, ourselves and what we do and, and what my brother does and my, my, my wife and my sister-in-law. And, and uh, we're done. We're done with the promo. This was uh, the show hadn't even aired, right? So one of the main people, the VP for uh, for Discovery, comes up and he gives me a has me over a contract. So I look at her and I'm like, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, this is for season two. We want you to sign. And I'm like, season two. Like we haven't even aired season one. Right. Like, I'm like what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, yeah. We've you guys are gonna be big. You already got the green light. Yeah, you're gonna be a hit. Nice. And uh, and then I mean, of course, you know, I was kind of like the spokesman for the family for all six, right? For for the rest of the family. So we fly back. I don't want to give her an answer, right? I tell her, I'll get back to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I get back home and and uh, on the way back, I'm telling the family on the flight, like, hey, they want to they want to sign us for season two. You mm. know, what do you think? And then right away the family was like, It's too much work, you know? Mm. Yeah. So we're getting paid, uh, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say this, but <laughs> we're getting paid minimal. I'll say minimal, right? Not okay. much, not much. Okay. But we did it with the intentions of like, you know, maybe it'll help our business. North or south of a hundred hundred thousand dollars. Oh, way south. Way, way south. south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, on the way, on the flight back to San Antonio, we were, uh, uh, I would say five of the six weren't really interested. I was a person who was like, yeah, let's do this. Like, let's go. Come on. You know, season two, season three, you know, it, it could keep going. And they're like, you know what? We don't want to do it. You know, we're, we don't, we're not interested. Yeah. So the VP kept calling me, calling me, emailing me, asking me like, hey, what, what's your family say? Are you guys interested? You know, we got to know. We got to know. Still, the, the, the season one hadn't even aired. I mean, it was still maybe a month out before it even aired. And I'm like, look, um, man, we don't, we're not really sure. You know, well, I'll, I'll get back to you. Right. So a couple of days later, she calls. She's like, hey, look, tell me what you want. Just name your price. Like, just tell me. Tell me, you know, we'll, we'll pay. Okay. And I'm like, okay, damn. All right. <laughs> now he's talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so she comes back and uh, she throws out a number. And I was like, wow. Okay, so it was a big increase. Okay. I go to the family. I look, hey, they're going to they're gonna pay us X amount per episode if we sign today. Right. By then, the family looked at the number and I'm like, they're like, oh, wow, damn, this dude. Is- <laughs> yeah, it was, a big, it was a big increase. It's, it's, it's over, over 400% increase. Uh, right. So now we're north of 100. For sure. Okay. For sure. There so, we go. So, I mean, it was, uh, it was one of those, you know, situations where... Um, do we do it or do we not? You right, know, it, right, right. It was taking up a lot of our time right. with work. So we, we went ahead and signed and we did it. Um, so we signed for season two with season one not even airing. So September, the show airs and it's a big hit. You know, man, we were just overwhelmed with, with the ratings and, and, and the feedback. You know, Discovery and Espanola was like, holy. I mean, they were just like in awe because they never really had a, a hit show. Right. And, and uh, so they grabbed, I mean, they just started promoting our name, our business, the show, season two. So while season one was airing, we were already filming for season two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got you. And then you end up doing season three. Correct. So that must have been the real big bag that he yeah. don't even want to talk about. That's where the real money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where the real money came in. I could imagine what that was looking like. So what made what made what made you call it quits? Man, it just took too much time. Just too much time. You know, it comes to a point in life where you know money's not really important. You know, and and uh, family's more important. Yeah. You know, I got four daughters of my own, and uh, just uh, business too. You know, you think back at 15, we, we talk about the oil crash in 15. You know, I had equipment. I had traders. I had trucks. I had drivers. You know, I, I had to put these guys to work. So we had to figure it out. And, and uh, luckily, you know, oil started coming, creeping back up. So we were able to get back into the rhythm of working. Right. So that was 17 and 18. So, yeah, after three seasons, we decided to just kind of. Call it quicks and fo- focus back on the business. Yes, sir. On the core businesses. When things start picking back up and you start building up again, how, how, how does that look? Are you calling back old, you know, drivers? Are you saying, Hey guys, we're back. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah. How, how does, tell me how that looks when you start seeing some, you know, uh, some, some, some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. We started getting busy again. Well, work was good. Work was solid. I started uh, calling some of my old guys back. Um, hey guys, look, we're busy. We're good. We got these locations, these, these, you know, this work is coming. It's, it's, uh, we're going to be good. Yeah. We're going to be good. That was 19. And then, uh, 2020, you know, man, I thought, I thought that was, was going to be the year. You know, I was in a big meeting. I had 150 people in front of me. 
I was pitching them the idea where, hey, we got we got two crews. We're full time. We're ready to go. We're working. We thought 2020 was going to be the year, but unfortunately, no, it wasn't. You know, mm. COVID kind of just COVID took, came. Yeah. So you said 150 people. Who were those 150 people? We had owner operators. We had drivers. We just had coordinators. Yeah. So so at the time of 2020, prior to COVID, we were already at a back to 100 trucks. You know, we were at about 110 working. We had two crews working full time. We were down here in South Texas. We thought, you know, hey, we're, we're going to be we're going to be even busier come 2020. You know? Right. Right. So. It seems like it's very important in, in, in this business and fracking business or transport and sand to like kind of diversify, right? Because there's times when things just kind of like fall apart. No? Is Correct. that is that fair to say? Yeah. So so like knowing that, how do you how do you diversify? Or is it kind of like when that business slows down, you focus on another one? Like how, how what's your how how do you go how do you think about that? Because you know these uh it's going to fluctuate. Like you already know, you've seen it happen multiple yeah. times, right? So looking forward, it's like, how do you prepare for that? Knowing that at some point it's good now, but it's going to go down again. Correct. Correct. I mean, I always tell people, I mean, stick to what you know, you know, and you know, when COVID hit, uh, we, we had to diversify. We had to, you know, do what we got to do. We, we tried reefer. We tried over the road. We tried to let those different avenues. But then I realized like, man, it's just too many people involved, you know, with the brokers and Figuring out the lanes, figuring out the pricing, figuring out, okay, you know, is this, is this a good rate? Is this, is this a bad rate? You know, and it was tough. It was tough for us. Right. With what you do, it's just very straight to the point. You haul A to B, you get paid and that's it. And your guys are home every day. Right. So like you don't have anybody over the road now. These guys are hauling. They're working like what? Like how, how, how no, oil gas, we're working 24 seven. No, 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 but I'm saying they work shifts, so they're only working like an 11 to 14 hour day. Correct, correct. And then the next, so there's nobody over the road. Yeah. So that's better for like retention, for driver retention, right. right? Drivers hate being over the road. For Not not hate, excuse me, because some drivers like to be over the road, but a lot yeah. of guys want to be local if they can. That's right. You that's know? Right. Yeah, so the life, the life of a driver over the road is, is tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it's a You're tough life. You're away from life. the family and stuff. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so, so you guys start building back up. So when do things, at, well, COVID hits. So mm-hmm. you take a hit there. When do things start kind of coming back for you? In the fall of 2020, uh, work comes back. Work comes back. So what helped TCT in, in the fall of 2020 is by then, everyone's already left. You know, you think about like what COVID did and, and, and the implications of, of people had to pay their bills. You know, people had to just survive, you know, and, and, and pay for the families, you know, pay for, for their truck payments, their trailer payments. So yeah. people, people did like, for example, flatbed, reefer, drive-in, I mean, you name it, they were out there. So back in the oil and gas sector, a lot of the guys that have my competitors that have left, you know, they're they're gone. They're gone. So we stuck here and we stayed in South Texas. So in the fall of 2020, we were able to get back to work and get back into the flow of things. Right. Slowly. What 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 do you do to stand out in 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 your business? Or do you even need to stand out because the demand is is so crazy? But but so that's two questions. Do you need to stand out? And if you do, what are you doing to stand out? What separates you from anybody else who's hauling? Provide great service. Provide great service. Um, have the uh, the the relationship with these owner operators. You know, I was taught in a, in a young age with my dad. You know, seeing that that one on one that he did. You know, over the course of eighties and nineties, it. You know, he was able to build his fleet, but but learning these owner operators. You know, and and, and having that one on one connection. You know, and uh, you know, I myself am owner operator, right? So I see it as TCT. Yes, I have company owned trucks, but also I have owner operators. Right. So these guys rely on us to to not just do the billing and dispatching, but the pay, but to provide the work, to provide, to, to be there for them. So when you say provide good service, it sounds like not only are you saying to like your customer, but to your drivers also. Right. Like you're serving your drivers also. Is that is that right? That's right. That's right. So from a from a customer standpoint, what does it take to provide good good service to your customers? And and who are your customers? You have a lot of customers. Is it just one customer? So it's oil and gas. So it's oil and gas. We do final mile logistics. Uh, so we're providing the, the service of, of being there on location and keeping up with the frac crew. So the frac crew consists of, let's say, for example, if, if it's a location that's pumping every three hours and they're pumping 13 trucks a stage, well, you got to keep up with that frac crew. You got to have those 13 trucks every three hours. So it's, so it's we're working 24-7. So there's times where at night drivers will fall off, you know, they get tired, they go on break. So it's keeping up, keeping up with the frat crew, keeping up with the customers and, and, ha- and providing that service. What, what will get you kicked out? Gosh, shut the job down. Yeah. Shut the job down. Shut the job and down. How, and how do you do that? Well, which is pretty much run the run, uh, what they call MPT, non-productive time. Okay. And how, and how does that work? 
just uh, you pretty much that that MPT will happen if you just you're not just paying attention and you just kind of like like it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Could, could go a little deeper into that because like so now the driver would do that or or the company when the you company sh- the logistics company the logistics so that'll be, company like, that'll be on our side that'll be the the coordinating team and the dispatch team of mm-hmm. just pretty much let's say for example let's say a holiday weekend yep let's say Fourth uh, of July weekend just to just cannot pick a holiday right. Yep. So you have a weekend of what we call a four-day weekend, right? So you, if a well's going to run throughout that weekend, you got to make sure you have the drivers and the staff to be able to keep up and, and provide that the delivery of that sand throughout that four-day weekend. Say Saturday morning comes around, 6 o'clock in the morning, all of a sudden drivers start falling off, trucks go home, guys bail, and guess what? You shut the job down. And mm. that, that, that pretty much ruins your reputation. Yeah, got you. And and when something like that happens, will anybody else work with you again? Uh, no. Pretty pretty difficult. Yeah, like you, yeah. You, everybody knows like what you did, and it's hard to come back from that. That's right. How, how do you manage all these different businesses? Because you guys have Triple R, you have TCT, you have the Chrome Shop. That's a lot of different teams. It is. As a as a leader, how are you managing three different teams in three different types of niches? And, and it's three, right? Am I, am I missing anything? Correct. No, no it's three, three different companies. Yeah. Three, so, three different entities. Three here. different entities that do totally different things. That's right. How, how do you manage it? Man, we just have a, a great family, family-owned business, you know? Okay. We have my brother who runs the body shop and the chrome shop. We have uh, my sister-in-law runs runs the, the back end of the chrome shop. I have my wife who runs the triple R diesel side, the mechanic shop. You know, I run operations on the TCT side. So so it's family-owned business. It consists of a great team having a great staff, having great mechanics, a great dispatch team, a great coordinating team. So so it's it's uh, managing all three pieces, all three entities. I mean, we, we're growing, we're growing almost to what, almost 300 trucks. Yeah. Yeah, we're running 282 trucks. And, um, you know, I got more work right now. <laughs> so so you, 282 trucks. So you'd be considered like a, a, a large carrier, right? I think, I think a large carrier is like after 200. Correct. Right? So- what what's the difference? Because a lot of people who watch the show are small carriers, like under two hundred or under a hundred, um, and then there's large carriers. Like what what is the difference? Because you've been both, correct? Right. So there's small carrier problems and there's mega carrier problems. Yeah. So tell me about some mega carrier problems that you have that people aspire to get to to get to your level and, and to have those problems, but maybe they don't want those problems. Man, they just just, <laughs> just keeping up, you know. It's just uh, we get about almost three hundred trucks. We're talking about we're we're talking a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys. Payroll, it's just a staff, you know, just building up to to a team. Like like my dispatch team consisted of just two three guys. That's it, you know. I'm up at I'm up at almost twenty. 20 running four people per shift, you know. And, and, 20 uh, people dispatch. Yeah, yeah. So coordinating team, you know, we had to branch out, just hire different teams of coordinating, you know, and have the accessible, you know, guys on different locations. Uh, owner operators, you know, uh, we got guys from California, New York, Florida that are all coming in here, South Texas to come work, you know. And, uh, but yeah, just, it's just managing the whole piece of, of what I call final mile, right? So from start to finish, from low site to well site, you know, from, you know the, the payroll side. I mean, it's 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 a lot. It it, it is a lot. So and, and like you said, you have your family kind of helping you out, so it's good. But I mean, I could just imagine just from the standpoint of you know dealing with like you said, so much people. You have twenty dispatchers. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, what I mean, twenty dispatchers, all these drivers. How how, how big can you grow? What, what what is too big? Man, I I want to be at uh my goal is four hundred. So I'm gonna I'm gonna. Get to 300 here pretty soon, and uh, my goal by 2023 is to be at 400 truck fleet. Is there any reason why it's, the number is 400? Just you just 40. like that number? I just like 400. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got you. So, uh, in terms of like business, has is everything like the same way it was back in like 15? Now, what's the difference between those golden years of 15 and now running the sand? Like. Is it similar? Is it like in terms of the money you can make? It's kind of give us an idea of what that looks like. It's very different. I mean, we're looking at a situation right now with with uh, Russia and Ukraine that's affecting you know the supply and demand. Uh, we have a uh, not to get into too political. Yeah, yeah. You have a president that's uh, if you go back 30, 40 years, you know when a Democrat's running the office, oil and gas does very well. Right. And with Joe Biden in the office, you know, we're, we're it's not doing, doing too well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you have a lot of pluses, you know, you have supply and demand, you know, you, during COVID, during the lockdowns, you, you had a situation where, where supply 
was at all time high, demand was very low. Now they flip flop. Now you got demand high and supply down. So, so I mean, the price of price of oil is over 100. You know, right. so there's a lot of advantages. I, I would say, you know, for us here at TCT, you know, oil oil gas is always up and down. You know, I, luckily, like for us, we we've gone through three downturns. You know, three three uh, three highs and three lows. Um, I say we got four or five good years mm. of this. Yeah, got you. Is this is this an industry for someone to get started in, or is this kind of one of those industries where, um, how? Well, let me reframe that question. How do you get started in this industry? Somebody watching this who wants to be you, who's yeah. looking at this video and they're saying, you know, I, I, I want to do what Raul does. What would be your advice to them? I would say, stay out of the oil and gas. <laughs> for sure, stay out, stay out of oil and gas. Stay I mean, out. <laughs> for what I've gone through, you know, just three downturns. It's a tough industry, man. It really mm. is. It's profitable when it's high. Right. When it's good. At, at 2014, we, we were doing very well. I mean, we did probably about 26 million for the year. Right. 2014. You know, and, and uh, it was great. But if you look at it's 15 and 16, it, it, those, I mean, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, right. Was, we were making $300, $325 a run at a 100 mile haul, you know, in a small town of Beckles, Texas. You know, I was in West Texas. It, it was, it was a tough, it's a tough industry. You know, I, I would tell somebody, look, you want to get into trucking? Try something else other than oil. It's <laughs> really yeah, for sure. So you're not sure. saying that just to keep your competition away, no, right? I, mean, I, I don't have competition. <laughs> We're TCT. Good there answer. Is, good there answer. Is no good compi- there is there, no competition. There is no competition. But if you if you want to get in oil and gas, don't do it. Don't think, do it. think about something else. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Try reefer. <laughs> try driving. Raul runs this lane. Flat right dead. Here. Don't get in oil and gas. Yeah. Oh man, I love it. So in, in terms of uh, your your businesses, what what is your bread and butter? Because you have three businesses, what what makes you the most uh, in terms of revenue? Oh, TCT right away. Yeah, TCT for sure. For sure. Yeah. In terms of revenue, and yeah. then I guess that'll be the Chrome Shop next. The Chrome Shop and and the Body Shop does well too. I mean, okay. paint and body. You look at a um, just look at the automotive sector. You know, and on the collision side, well, on semis there is a big need also as well for collision, mm. and that's where my brother's been doing very well these last few years. Um, so Body Shop Collision. Chrome accessories. Do we have the repair shop? So, so there's an avenue of, of kind of like a little trucking empire, right? So, yeah, a little bit of everything. You know, we can do it all here at TCT, your Texas Chrome, for sure. Bar, yeah. Are, are there any other add-ons that you're looking to expand into? Any any other areas? Uh, fitness to, vertically. Fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to trying so to help? You showed me the, the the gym. The gym is phenomenal. Which I hope there's like a little clip of the gym running right now as I talk. But how do you get into fitness? Man, just trying to promote a healthier life, healthy lifestyle for a trucker, you know. Okay. Unfortunately, truck driver, it's always going to get the, the the short end of the stick, you know. It's and, tough. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It is. It's very tough. It's okay. Very tough. So so how do you promote fitness? Because you, you have the facility, but how do you monetize that? You actually have people, you're going to have people come in, like, join your gym? Yeah. I mean, just helping them. Just helping them. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. Okay. You know, giving them advice, giving them. Uh, okay, got uh, you. So some for, for more of like a like a advice and education standpoint. Correct. Okay. TCT Fitness. Yes, sir. I like that. I yeah. like that. All right, man. Well, listen, man. This is this has been amazing. I, I've learned so much about you, uh, your business. Uh, got to meet your family and your extended family. Your you know your, your employees and so forth and so on. Um, what what's the what's 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 the next the next next for you, man? What what else can we expect to what's see next? for you? Um, yeah. Gosh, you know, look at a situation like for regards to. Truck sales, you know, being getting back into building trucks, um, customizing, uh, selling accessories. Uh, I talked about the oil and gas. It's always, you know, it's got its Up highs and, and its lows. Eventually, oil is going to come back down. You know, whether it's two years or four years, when that happens, you know, we I want to be ready to go. I want to be able to diversify and, and, and build trucks, sell trucks, and, and customizing for for not just Texas or South Texas, but for for. For the nation, you know. Yeah. What what part of the business is most fun to you? Is it the customization part? Probably the customizing. Yeah. 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 It seems it seems like that would be pretty, yeah, pretty we build, cool. We built all them rigs, man, back in the 2001 to 2008. I mean, 1,200 rigs. And just watching these guys as we pick them up from the airport, we're driving into the property and just the look of them, just seeing the the, the paint, the lights, the stacks, you know, and they're like, oh, wow. Like, right. 
Yeah. Right. Now, awesome, man. All right, cool. We're going to we're gonna start wrapping up the show. Before we go, we always have a final thought. That is basically something, you know, spiritual, entrepreneurial, whatever you want to leave the audience with. And then um, we just have to let everybody know where they can connect with you uh, moving forward. Um, if they don't follow you already, you have like a trillion followers on social media. So they probably already follow you. But if not, um, let them know. So let's start with the final thought. What would you leave the audience with? Man, stay focused. Uh, stay hungry. Stay humble. I mean, I think for, for me, I've been blessed with my having my father around, teaching me uh, everything that I know today. Um, family's for sure number one priority. Family's always important. But uh, but just just having that drive, having that determination of, of just continuing working, you know, and staying focused. So I always look at myself and and look ahead, you know, look ahead two three you know two three steps forward and, and realizing that that uh, you know you can always you can always diversify. You can always you know, be hungry and, and keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where is where is it at? Where is it? At? Is you said your father is still around, right? Yeah. Where, where yeah, is he? Is, I, is yeah. he here today? Yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta go meet For him. Sure. He, sure. I gotta shake his hand, you man. Gotta, you gotta say hi to pops. Man. I gotta definitely say yeah. hello to pops. All right, cool. Um, all right, man. And where can people uh, connect with you and learn more about so they, all the businesses? Follow me, Instagram or Facebook, Raul Mendez. Uh, they can, of course, of course, our social pages. Yep. Triple R Diesel, Texas Chrome, and then of course TCT. Okay. All right, Hustle fam. If you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. This has been an amazing episode. We are here in San Antonio, Texas with the man himself, Raul Mendez, Triple R, TCT, Texas Chrome. I'm about to go take a tour of the facility again because I just love it. Um, thank you so much, man. This has been thank an you, awesome interview. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Hustle sure. fam, we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.